Hi, Casey here. Before we start, our team at PassBlue wants you to know that we're a nonprofit website and we depend on your generous donations to tell stories about the UN. In November and December, PassBlue takes part in Newsmatch, a national matching gift campaign that drives donations to nonprofit newsrooms, like us, around the country. Here's how it works. Starting November 1st, Newsmatch will double your donation up to $1,000. For a nonprofit like us, this is a big deal and will help us report exclusive stories at the UN every day. The type of journalism we do that puts accountability first cannot wait. Because if we don't tell these stories, who will? Hi, I'm Casey Candela. And I'm Stephanie Fillion. And welcome to Unscripted. Today, Niger concludes its two-year term on the council in a position of strength as president of the body for the second time, with a long-awaited climate resolution to be possibly tabled and the G5 Sahel force in the spotlight, we review the country's tenure with Ambassador Abdu Abari and expert Michael Shurkin. This is Unscripted, a podcast taking you inside the United Nations and beyond the scripted debates to the people at the heart of it all, the diplomats and the reporters covering them. When Niger, a landlocked country in West Africa, started its term on the council in January 2020, the world and Niger were very different. COVID-19 was not yet an international crisis. Operation Barkhane, a French anti-terrorist operation in the Sahel region, was in full force. And Mohamedou Issoufou was president of Niger as the country was preparing for its first democratic transition. Two years later, COVID-19 has completely changed the way the Security Council works. Barkhane is scaling down and the council visited the Sahel region to assess the security situation there. And President Mohamed Bazoum is in charge in Niger, and the transition of power, though a bit rocky, has been successful so far. So Ambassador Abdoubari is tired, but he is also satisfied with his work in the Council. The legacy we want to leave in the Security Council is one of a small country from Africa, from the Sahel region. We fought as hard as we can to talk about our realities, fight against terrorism, women, peace and security, the situation of school and, uh, and children in conflict uh, like in, in West Africa. And also we shed some lights on the link between climate change and security. What has also changed in the last two years is who's in charge of Niger's neighbor, Mali. The country has undergone two coup d'etat this year. And that, says Michael Shurkin, made Niger a strategic partner internationally in the region. Shurkin is director of global programs at 14 North Strategies, a Dakar-based consulting firm, and works in Washington, D.C. He says that Niger's new president, Bazoum, was also instrumental in raising the country's profile internationally. I think he, what he's done is he's managed to really position himself. He's increased his stature. He's become kind of like the man to go to in the Sahel, right? And, and he's sort of a trusted partner of the international community. And in part, this has to do with the fact that it just Debbie's dead, right? He was killed in April. 
And Mali had two coups last year. And Malian government is run by a military junta that has kind of gone off the rails and has decided that uh, antagonizing the international community is in its own parochial interest. By doing that, it plays to the street, and this is how it helps increase its credibility amongst the Malian population. But what this means is that the Malian leaders have become kind of like persona non grata in the international community. An important moment to help solidify Niger's rise as a responsible global partner in Africa occurred during the Security Council's trip to Mali and Niger in the Sahel region in October. It was the first overseas trip for the Council since the pandemic began, and the goal was for the 15 members to try to see for themselves the counterterrorism and security situation on the ground. In Niger, they met with President Bazoum and the Prime Minister and visited the G5 Sahel offices there. Ambassador Abari helped organize the trip to shed light on the country's many challenges and appeal for more help from the international community. Why we went to the Sahel? Because I told my colleagues that whatever problem you want to discuss, you have it in the Sahel. If you talk about uh, insecurity, fight against terrorism, Sahel is the right uh, place to be. If you want to deal with the impact of climate change on humanitarian issue and peace and security, Sahel is suffering from it. If you deal with women, peace and security, the region of Sahel is a kind of laboratory to visit. If you talk about the impact of violence on children and on school and education, Sahel is also the right region to visit. But then we have the special situation facing Mali with two coup d'etats, with governance issues after the coup d'etat. The insecurity is on a rise, impacting uh, my own country, Niger, and also impacting Burkina Faso. And I think it was very good that the Security Council went to Mali, deliver some strong message of support to the Malian people, the Security Council and the international community are here to back them, but not to back them in the situation in which they are, but to back them in order to respect the decision of ECOWAS that is asking the Malian transitional regime to organize some elections not late than next February, even though on the ground we knew that it will be very difficult for these Malian authorities to respect the deadline fixed by the ECOWAS, but at least we press them to have a kind of chronogram of organizing these elections. If it is not in February, at least for us, for the Security Council, for the international community, to have an horizon by which we can expect the Malian authorities to organize free and fair elections. In Niger, Niger is not on the agenda of the Security Council. And thanks to my colleagues who accepted to visit Niger, even though we are not on the agenda of the Security Council. I think the meaning we are giving to this visit of the Council in my country is a show of solidarity and a show of support. But for Michael Shurkin, the trip really helped Niger position itself as the Council's main ally in dealing with the Sahel region. Okay, so there was this mission to Mali, and they went to Mali, and they talked tough. 
and then they went to Niger and the Nigerian were really able to spin this as like, they're the good guys and the Malians the bad guys. And he said that whereas Nigerians were, were critical of the Malians before the mission, they were always more flexible than the rest of the council. And so for, for instance, the Nigerian position on the elections, because like in Mali, there's this whole issue where the Malian Kunta had an agreement to hold elections by February, 2022. But it, it's been very clear for months now that that's just not going to happen. I think as of maybe a month ago, the Malian Kunta basically said it out loud. So the Nigerian position had been flexible and more flexible than the rest of the council. I think for all the right reasons, because there are a lot of good reasons to delay elections in Mali, a lot of very legitimate reasons. And I think that the Nigerian are going to be very sympathetic to these reasons because they, they face the same issues. When the Nigerian hold an election, like they have to deal with the same problems. So they understand that, you know, maybe certain things have to happen first, although ultimately, you know, it should be done sooner rather than later. After the mission and after the Malian government expelled an ECOWAS representative. Bazoum said that he was very clear that the Malians are really on another planet. One of Niger's appeals is for direct UN financial support for the G5 Sahel. The idea is supported by many council members, but not the US and the UK, who are vital in making such a decision. But Abari believes Niger and the Sahel need money from the international community and a more holistic approach toward development. In the Sahel region, we are not successing in containing the terrorists. Rather, the terrorists are gaining more and more territories, whether it is in Mali, in what we call the Central Sahel, comprising part of Niger, part of Burkina Faso, and part of Mali. We are not making some gains on the terrorists. Then we explain, members of the Security Council, that we have to find a solution. Solution can be financing through the UN assets, the G5 Sahel force. Some members of the Security Councils are reluctant to adhere to this solution. France and the G5 Sahel countries are pushing toward this to happen. But for us, as has been said to the Security Council by my president, we do not have any religion on the way to help the G5 Sahel. What we need is to have more financial resources, is to be able to have more intelligence, to have more equipment in order for our own forces, national forces, the G5 Sahel forces, the international forces, whether it is Barkhane or Takuba, European Union Takuba force, just for us to do the job. Because if we continue doing business as we are doing it now, I am fearing that the defeat of Daesh in Iraq will give them opportunity of creating another caliphate in the Sahel. This is not in our interest, and this is not in the interest of the international community. Then my president said it clearly, if you want to go for a support office, for the G5 Sahel, with the assets, the financing of UN, it is acceptable to us. While the trip was relatively successful for Niger, the country still struggles with political challenges. The transition of power in Niger was itself not fully peaceful, with an attempted coup on Bazoum last March. Here's Michael Shurkin on this. 
folks like me who analyze this, we have a tendency that we're aware of, but don't quite know how to deal with. This tendency is to look favorably upon Niger in large measure because Mali consistently makes them look good. And the consensus is and remains that whatever Niger's problems, they are more effective, they are more serious. So a lot of us tend to think that when it comes to things like security sector reform or the Malian Armed Forces, like I often tend to think that they're just not serious, not serious about doing anything, not serious about doing any of the things that the international community says that they should do, and that they say, okay, we should do this. They're not serious people. That's kind of this impression that a lot of us have, whereas we look upon the Nigerian and we tend to see them as being much more serious. These are more serious people, the more sober people, and, and we tend to view for instance, their armed forces as being more effective. And I myself have said that Niger's is a clear case about how sometimes it's the size of the fight in the dog that matters more than the size of the dog in the fight. That Niger, with its scarce resources and its poverty and everything, manages to accomplish, relatively speaking, quite a bit with the little bit that they've got, certainly compared with the Malians. So there's always this problem. It's very hard for us to look at Niger objectively and exclusive of Mali. We're always comparing with Mali. If you manage to shut Mali out of it and stop thinking comparatively and just focus on Niger, Niger has gigantic problems and has also weaknesses. I mean, there are all these stories that came out uh, relatively recently about corruption in the Nigerian armed forces. Very large sums of money disappeared because of corruption. The amount of money that disappeared is staggering, particularly in light of how little money that they actually have. So we've got serious corruption. There's all sorts of reports about human rights abuses committed by the Nigerian forces. Niger also has this problem where Brussels of reasons they've empowered local militias, which often do more harm than good. There was an attempted coup against Bazoum soon after his election. The election was contested. Growing insecurity in multiple parts of the country it's really in bad shape. Ambassador Abari doesn't deny that democracy in Niger is fragile. And in a way, as he finishes his term on the council, he is simply hoping that the international community won't forget about Niger and its struggles against terrorism, climate change, and other big challenges. He is planning to return to his country when Niger's council term is up. Democracy is one step. When you succeed in organizing free and fair election, it is something very important. But development is the main issue facing Niger today. Because democracy, yes, you have an elected president, you have some institutions that are working. But unless you deal with uh, the issue of development, unless the international community help Niger fight against terrorism. Unless we get help from international community not to put our resources in military expenses, not on social issues, we need more education. We need to build a strong health system. Now that we are facing this COVID-19 pandemic, we saw that even uh, the developed countries are facing uh, some challenges. We have also to build a food security system, a very strong one. Then unless we have some financing from the international community, the democracy itself 
will not be enough to help stabilize the country and to give chance to my people, to the citizens of Niger, to benefit from development. That is my last word. It is a kind of appeal to the international community for more solidarity, for more help to the country that need this help and this solidarity and Niger and the countries of the Sahel region are one of them. We need the help of the international community to make our democracy become stronger. We'll take a short break. Are you looking for a talk show featuring leading global voices? Do you want to learn more about how international issues directly affect people locally? Global Connections Television presents the insights of global influencers at no cost to viewers and programmers. GCTV is independently produced and reaches more than 70 million potential viewers worldwide each week. The show covers everything from human rights to climate change, from peace and security to empowering women and girls. It features guests such as Dr. Jane Goodall, former UN High Commissioner for Human Rights Mary Robinson, and Peter Yarrow of Peter, Paul, and Mary. The show also hosts expert voices from the private sector, academia, and labor and environmental movements. GCTV is available to public television media outlets, universities, and service clubs for distribution. To watch the show or find out more, click the link in our episode description. One specific issue that Niger took to heart during its two-year term is climate and security. Niger co-leads the Council's and former group of friends on climate and security with Ireland, and they are hoping to pass a resolution on the topic in the Council this month. The resolution was first drafted by Germany last year, but didn't have the support of the Trump administration, Russia, or China. Now, with the U.S. back to supporting climate change mitigation and adaptation, Niger is hoping to make progress on the file. But Russia, China, and India are still not convinced. Here's Ambassador Abari. We fought during these two years to raise awareness on the impact that climate change can have on the dynamics on peace and security. If you take the example of the Lake Chad Basin, and if you take the example of the Sahel region, intercommunal fightings, the origin of it is access to natural resources. When you have desertification gaining on agricultural fields, when you have water scarcity, and you have the growth of the population that is the highest in the world, then you have more people and you have less resources. That is the main reason of this intercommunal fight, but the terrorists are taking benefits of the situation, amplifying it. Then for us as Niger is to show members of the international community at large and members of the Security Council that the impact of climate change for us is not tomorrow. It's already today, if not yesterday. 
Russia's deputy ambassador, Dmitry Polonsky, indicated in a press briefing on November 30th that Russia will not support the resolution. Niger seems determined to put it to a vote on December 9th and is still negotiating among the key council members. According to Michael Shurkin, Niger's focus on climate and security is a clever way to discuss unavoidable issues undermining international peace and security in the Sahel. I think it's a very good idea that people talk about the climate aspect because it's it's real, it's relevant. If you were to poll, you know, 100 Sahel watchers, I'm pretty sure that 99 of them are going to tell you that climate change is a very important factor. In the Sahel in particular, you know, when I give presentations on the Sahel, I start with my Sahel 101 things because, first of all, I try to explain what the Sahel even is. It's a swath of Africa that is defined by rainfall patterns. And it straddles on one side the desert, where basically it doesn't rain, and on the other side, areas where you have fairly regular and relatively copious rainfall. And it's defined by these bands. And the whole civilization of the Sahel and the ecosystem and the politics and the economy and everything is based on these patterns. And what happens is that when the patterns shift, even just a little bit, the consequences on the societies that live there often are dramatic. So climate change has really just caused all sorts of terrible problems and it's only going to get worse. And so it's putting a lot of pressure on countries that are already amongst the poorest on the planet, that already are amongst the most fragile on the planet, that already have serious problems with competition for scarce natural resources. And you also have to bring up demographics and population growth in, in that because there's more and more population pressure on already overstressed land and, and water resources. And anything that the international community can do to try to help with this on all sorts of levels, I think, is, is really welcome. So if Niger Bazoum is going to try to bring more attention to this, I, I say I applaud him. That's it for our show. This episode was co-produced by me, Casey Candela, and Stephanie Filion for Pass Blue, an independent women-led media site covering the United Nations and global affairs. Dulce Leinbach is our editor. Anna Bianca Roach is our researcher. AI Digital created our podcast logo. And our music is by Poddington Bear. A lot happens at the UN beyond what we report in each episode of Unscripted. And PassBlue is covering the important news, from women's rights to human rights to the effect of the U.S. on the U.N. For day-to-day coverage, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And to subscribe to our newsletter, go to PassBlue.com. PassBlue's in-depth and exclusive stories and this podcast are possible with the support of the Carnegie Corporation of New York, the New School, and listeners like you. If you've thought about donating, but you just haven't gotten around to it yet, now is the time. Between November 1st and December 31st, your donation will be doubled. To show your support, visit Past Blue's website and click Donate. Unscripted is available wherever you find podcasts. If you like today's show, please rate us on iTunes and share with all your friends.